0: Is a bit. All right, we're going to get going anyway. So Today, we continue in this, uh, oh, I to right. we're in the last sermon. Not my last sermon, but the last sermon, John 13 to 17. visiting with us this morning, I am um, spending time in John chapter 13 to 17. This is um, a time that Jesus is—it's right before he is going to be arrested and crucified. And uh, we see in his heart, he takes each of his disciples in this upper room. The other gospels kind of hang out here as they. The, the, the what we call the last supper, the acts the meal together. in John, John's gospel gives us these several chapters to reveal what he is saying. It's a, a, a more intimate portrayal, um, a lot more detailed account of what is happening. Um, what did just say? Why did he say it? Again, he is preparing them to be the church. He's preparing them for what is coming. Um, he would die, he would be raised from the dead, he would ascend to the Father, he would send the Holy Spirit, and they would be there Acts and the birthday of the the church would happen, and I believe a lot of this right before he is to be arrested and still right before he is to die, he is instilling into their hearts, I think, some very important things, and not just to them, but to us as his followers. And so we're going to be in this um, this passage. We're going to actually going to be in only I in mean, two verses this morning. Um, next week and the week after that, um, we're going to get a little more broad. Uh, but I needed to spend a little bit of time in uh, John 14 um, because there's a couple passages of scripture, as you were here last week, and of scripture that I think that people have misinterpreted um, and and they, maybe not understood in the right way. Uh, there's a Contact those again, and we'll pick off, pick up where we left off today in, in, in chapter 14 of um, the Gospel of John, uh, looking specifically at verses 13 and 14. So, hopefully, we're gonna. Uh, we're gonna try this again, if not, uh, I, don't know, I just need to right so, it. Yeah, let's go to the next slide. All right, so John 14. Here's what Jesus says: I tell you that anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with my Father. We've done that last week. About what the words are, you can listen to that on, online, or TLC. you can see what is that. Um, but then he says, "You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father." Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. As with verse twelve about the greater works, there's been a lot of bad teaching, a lot of bad doctrine that has been based on these verses. Um, using it somewhat as a formula to get what we want in prayer. Some of you familiar, if you're not, there is a whole movement called the Word of Faith Prosperity Gospel that has been invasive in our culture that really is a bad gospel for the It's a very bad doctrine. And they have used this passage that you can claim and name and claim whatever you want. And if you ask in Jesus' name, you just have enough faith. He will give that to you. Um... And, and, and so from so that I will do whatever you ask. money so the Father may be glorified in the Son. We're going to get into that in a moment um, of, of what is being said here. But there's a lot of bad teaching So, if we say that that's a formula, so I'll get the job if I just ask for it, right, in Jesus' I the job. I'll get that money. I'll get that husband and wife that I've been praying for. I'll get the healing. I'll get whatever I want. Isn't that what the Scripture says, right? Maybe. Yeah. That's why we're going to unpack it. I can say to you, I've been still waiting for a million bucks in the porch for a long time. And man, I ask, man, I ask the Lord, you know, I can do a lot of that money. He did give me the most amazing wife in the world, so I can say that that is, uh, that is a gift from the Lord. I, I did get that. But that's the only proof that God is good and that He likes me. That's the grace of God, right? The grace and mercy of the Lord. I pray for a good wife is He said, okay, I like you. I'll give you a crown. I have like God, you a simple. And so if we just claim those things in Jesus' name, He's supposed to do it right. And folks, it isn't a formula just to get what I want, just to get my prayers answered, Again, there are people that have believed bad doctrine, and, 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 and you have to look at the, 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 the burden of truth. There are people that have believed this, or they stood on this or that, and they prayed for healing, and they believed this, and they didn't get it. And it didn't happen the way they thought. There have been a lot of people in the Word of Faith movement that they had, that, I mean, ministers and people that have claimed healing, and they end up passing away. And so then the big question becomes, what what's wrong? What, what happened? And we begin to be tormented by trying to figure out maybe what am I doing wrong? What's happening? Am I not praying the right prayer? Now there are things in the Bible that occur our relationship sit on the right with others, but we are refusing to forgive someone, and then we think that God's going to answer our prayer. Peter said, "If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you." In First Peter three. Peter writes, he said, Husbands, treat your wives with an, in an understanding way so that your prayers aren't hindered. That's a heavy weight for men. Right? You notice it doesn't say men understand the wives. Treat them in an understanding way. Right? That's not a cut down we're, we're, just, we're wired differently, right? It can be the same thing, understanding. Husbands I don't understand the way you think. But it isn't a formula. And I think a lot of times when we get into the torment, we're trying to figure out the formula. And then what happens is it's not faith. It's a lot of fear. It's a lot of inner turmoil. It's a of, I, I've seen it. We've seen it in the years that we've Years that we have, like, we've been around people, it seems like faith. But it isn't faith, it's a lot of times faith and fear. What happens when your prayers aren't answered? And you've prayed and you you obeyed that scripture, You ask in Jesus' name, what then? I pray. So is the text untrue? Or have we made it something that it was never intended to be? Have we made God into some sort of cosmic gene? Because again, this passage has caused a lot of pain, a lot of confusion, a lot of doubt, a lot of frustration. People have walked away from their faith because of this passage in certain ways that people have to it. And if, if I'm being honest, I have wrestled with this passage lots in my life. When I went on a journey to read about healing, and you know, and you guys heard me share when my mother-in-law passed away, I I went on a real journey, and you just taken taken into the audience passages and I wrestled with them a lot. Here's Jesus saying this, and even you have other. Passages that are similar in, 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 in their tenor. And let's go to the next slide. Um, you know, Matthew says, Heaven, Jesus is asking, it, will begin to keep the apart and knocking the door will be open, right? I mean, that's, that's what it says, and I'm going to touch on that one. In a few minutes. But Matthew 21, 22, whatever you ask in prayer, you will give. You have faith. Matt, Mark 11, 24, therefore, tell you whatever you ask in prayer, believe, and you have received it, and it will be yours. And, and, and you look at all these and you go, isn't that saying the same thing? It looks like a formula, right? It looks like he's giving some sort of formula. The problem is, is when the prayers aren't answered, then we are left trying to figure this out. What's the deal? Are they true? And I think we have to guard our hearts and not believe something that was never intended for us to believe. And we have to be cautious again with, with making doctrine out of things that were not intended to be doctrine. Last week I gave you those two nerdy terms, right? I'm really going to do that again. Exegesis, Jesus not Jesus, but exegetical. We, we should always approach Scripture exegetically. That means we draw out what is already there. Isegetically is what we do is we put our spin on it. In other words, maybe we had an experience and we kind to of teach that as doctrine. And we have to be very careful. Drawing out of the text, exegetically drawing out of the text of what is there. So we have to understand the context. The hermeneutics before, um, after, what's written before, what's written after. So again, in John 14, Jesus has said, don't wait, it's some in trouble. Remember at the beginning, he says, i want going to prepare a place for you. And now he's talking about prayer. Who is it written to? The disciples ultimately the Then the Scripture with Scripture. Now let and then we apply what we learn, and so we're taking these, we're drawing on the scripture. We're going to the scripture, scripture once again, so we're going to find out the purpose of prayer to see, I'm going to hope is that we see God in a more real way, love Jesus more when we unpack the scripture. So let's go first thing. Prayer is a relationship. Prayer is a relationship with God. Think about it this way in your relationship to people that you love, would if be approach to every of your human relationships on just what you can give? That would be a toxic relationship, right? In fact, if we are obeying scripture and or are laying down our life for one another, it is asking for what I can give, not what I can get. And we enjoy the relationship of person to And there's times when we might ask something of them, but that is not the chief purpose of our relationship. Same thing with God. Prayer is like we were created to be in a relationship with God. And so we don't just pray to get things from God. We pray to get God. That was good. Maybe I have said something there. Think about it. The God of the universe, he doesn't need you. Anymore. You know, God wasn't lonely in Genesis going, man. I'm you know, I'm so lonely. I think I'll create people. Glory feeds. That will one day turn on me. He wasn't lonely. He didn't need us, but He chose us. He created us for a plan and purpose. He didn't need us, but He chose us. And so at the foundation of Claire's relationship, then what we'll we ask and how we ask comes out of the place of relationship. If you have no relationship with God, praying will be mainly based on frustrating emergency interventions. Right? God, get me out of this mess. That's why they say there are no atheists in the foxhole. When bullets start whizzing, all of a sudden I might believe that there's a God. People will cry out to God. And I'm not saying that that's not real, or it's a sincere thing in their heart. But it's interesting that if that's the only way we come approach to God, it's not relational. It's just that we need an ambulance. God, get me out of this mess. If, if you, God, if you get me out of this mess, I will always, I will never, I will... Right? And many people approach it. It's not just even when we're walking with the Lord. But instead of being changed from Lord to glory, we can live from Christ to Christ. God, we were created for a day-to-day relationship with Him. That's why in John 15, which we will touched on later, in right, the last sermon, he, Jesus says, if you remain in me, He said, it's a, it's a relationship. If you remain in me, remain in my love. I want you to stay there. Stay in the relationship. Don't don't be Me for a while, and then kick out. You leave me again. And then t- stay with me. Remain with me. Sometimes He does answer, he sometimes He will rescue you sometimes He will So, prayers, relationship secondly, this. We are created to bring glory to God. That is the chief purpose of, our, of our, our plan and our purpose. That's why when a lot of people think that God has a plan for my life, a lot of times we immediately equate that with some sort of public ministry. And that's not biblical. You know, I'm called to bring glory to God doing this, but you're called to bring glory to God in what God has for you. In the spirit of influence, in the place you work, the people you are around, the family that you were in. It's all by God's design that He has purposely placed you there to bring Him glory. We're all created to bring Him glory. That's why in this text, okay, when we say ask anything, listen to what Jesus says, the so, scripture to scripture, You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it, so what? So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. So the purpose is to glorify God. To bring glory to Him. And He can get glory out of anything. So we were created to be in relationship with God and to bring Him glory. That's why we're here. In our lives, He can get glory in all circumstances. good or bad, pain or prosperity. That's why Paul says, I learned to be content in all circumstances. Look at the story. Remember when we, when we loved I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we did, but if you if you look before that, he is talking about content when we have nothing. He said, I know what it's like to have a lot of stuff. I know what it's like to have nothing. I mean, at one time he's told me, you know, and I said this last week, we're, we're pressed and persecuted. We're struck down. People are coming against us, yet we are keeping our eyes on Jesus because it's not about that. The blessing is not just in being in peace and without struggle. It's even in the struggle that I am at peace because of who God is. And so I can do all things through Christ's truth and Christ. I can be content in every circumstance. In certain Next, let's look at the next one. Prayer is about God's will being done for His glory. Right? It's about God's will. This why, what does it mean to pray? in name? He said, you pray in my name, John 14, 14, you may ask me anything in my name. Now look at those other passages a second, and I will do it. Here, Jesus, has promised His disciples anything and everything they want. Because remember, he's saying earlier he said, "Don't let your hearts be troubled." They were going to endure intense persecution. They were going to be tortured and killed, murdered for their faith. And so again, that would be the disciples understood that Jesus was saying that this means it's a life that you can have anything that you want. They understood that that, that he wasn't talking about that. Because I'm sure when they're, they're they're crucified upside down, or they're filleted with knives, or they're boiled in oil, they're thinking, "Oh, well, Jesus, get me out of this! You said if you ask anything in your name." But they they didn't equate that. They understood what he was saying. If you ask in my name, to pray in Jesus' name, is to pray on the basis of his authority, but it also it involves praying according to the will of God, and that's what Jesus always did with his scripture and. Scripture to Scripture. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. Jesus said, I don't, I don't do anything on the own I have. I do what the Father has sent me to do. And ultimately, that would be to go to the cross. Matthew 6, we are taught how to pray. Remember, Jesus said, here's how used to pray. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And guys, this this is a powerful, peaceful sovereignty of God prayer. God, Your will be done. There's no exception to that clause. There's no exception except for this or except for healing or except for um, financial provision, except for... things, you know, do your, your will be done. We can pray that and we can trust and rest in sovereignty. So let's look, at, let's look at the next slide. First John 5, 14, 50. Here's what John says in his letters later on. The same, same author, different, different books, different letters. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything, what? See, John understood what Jesus was saying. It's not just a cosmic G, so, this is later on. This is when John is writing letters to the churches. And he says, This is the confidence we have, to get, that if we ask anything according to his will, because we want to bring glory to Jesus, and if his will can accomplish God's glory, no matter what the church says, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him, but we ask according to his will. Jesus' example in the garden, I know it's a he dark, but he, remember when he's in the garden before he is to be arrested, he is growing in prayer. And what did he say to the Father? Father, if this cup of suffering can be taken from me, take it. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so we have a great example of Jesus. In his humanity, he is growing. He understands what he's about to endure the physical punishment, the torment, the torture, and also the sins of the whole world heaped the Him. And He's saying to the Father and His humanity, if there's a plan B, let's go with that. Now He didn't say... Father, in my name, I'm telling you we're doing plan B. and be. That's what's going to happen we're going to inform God of in what he's going to do. And that's kind of sometimes his prayers, of arrogance. They're not confident in kind of almost of arrogance. And Jesus didn't say, he just said, I want to do more for the Father. He's just talking to me. He's sweating. Plus the blood, the, uh, you're, you're the blood vessels that's just had it. You can't be just praying and the, 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 the anxiety that was on him at that moment. Yes. That's the same thing, isn't it? But instead, he just knew what was coming. And then his example to us, nevertheless, your will be done. And what we can do is take great confidence. Sometimes he gets and Sometimes we can say, Lord, I'm asking you to escape from this situation. Nevertheless, your will be done. However, you can give glory. I'm asking you however you can give glory, We can ask, and we should ask. We're told that we should pray and ask. But we do it in a place of rest, not in a place of torment, not in a place of anxiety. Not anxious prayers, but in a place of rest. Because again, His ways are higher than our ways, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We see in part, we're told us we see in part. But a lot of times we think we see in whole. Well, I just know, I know. And sometimes God can talk to you and you just feel like that there's a prayer of faith that God has shown you something. And that's okay. And you can say, Lord, I feel like you have shown me. But even in humility, we approach God and say, Lord, I feel confident that you have shown me. Because so it's not like we don't have to walk. We can't walk in confidence with the Lord that we're always kind of guessing. It's not that we can say, I'm a child. I believe this. I think you've shown me this in confidence. Yet in humility, I lay it down because it may not work out like I thought it would work out. So I lay it before you. feet. We're always in relationship, right? It's always relationship. That's so why relationships are walk with faith. I don't see it all, but I trust you. And so prayer is relational. We are created to bring in Lord and we must ask according to His will. So the issue is when we presume to know the will of God in certain situations, you know, we may not see that providing for us in a certain way is the greatest way of bringing glory. We have to think, I know how to bring the greatest glory. If you will do this for me. Or if we're praying for somebody, and This and this is my mother-in-law who was, you know, who passed away with cancer and she believed God. I mean, she, she believed. She was a great woman of faith and believed God for her healing. Had lots of people all across the globe praying for her, professing, confessing, believing is she passed away. And, you know, and obviously, when you're praying for somebody, in like you, you, your mind is, Lord, you raising her up is the greatest way you can get glory. That's just how I feel. And yet the Lord said, no, I'm going to get glory, and I'm going to heal her, but it's going to be in a different way. of will be healing, the ultimate healing for her, but, but even in the midst of it, there will be, I will get glory out of even death. It's what Joseph believed. Remember what the enemy meant for you God turned out something good. And that's what Joseph told his Brothers, you guys meant this for you. You turned on me, you, 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 you sold me into slavery, and all of it, God was working. So even in the midst of the hardest, most difficult, tons of questions, circumstance that you're in, God can't give your you can get Him. and we trust Him. Sometimes we feel like that we have the plan that God should do if He would just listen to us, and we can even ask Him His name. We He does something different for his Prayer is also about our motives. Just look at the next passage to attend. James 14, it says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. And so then we ask the question: what are my motives in prayer? That's why I can probably ask for a million bucks in the course, but you know that's not the right motive. I'll tie on that Lord. Church will get a lot more. I'm still driving the course. I can't get that on Changer. There's wrong motives, right? And I like just say that in the really But what are our motives? And is, again, this is one of Jesus' disciples later on in like, he understood when he sat in the last sermon, John 14, he understood what Jesus because sometimes we ask with the wrong motives. Proverbs 62, All persons' ways seem pure to them. Isn't that funny? Our motives are always pure to us, right? But. Motives are weighed by the Lord. That's why in humility, in relationship, Lord, check my heart, check my motives. Lord, I want to play with the right motivation. I want to play with the right motivation. That's why the Pharisees remember they were praying to be seen. And Jesus would them. Like, they had to look. They to look holy, because they could pray all these eloquent prayers. And they wanted to look beautiful. But lots of are asking the wrong questions, or we are praying for the wrong things, presuming on God. Again, we know the heart and His ways are not our ways. And when we understand that, we pray a place of rest and relationship going, God. I, I don't see it, but I trust you. understand it. I trust We should pray with faith. But again, what what does that mean? Faith is believing who God is, who Jesus is. Pray with the right motives. And the ultimate right motive of prayer and asking about God is, Jesus, how can you give glory? Lord, I'm asking for this. I'm asking for for forgiveness. I'm asking for healing. But ultimately, I want my motivation to bring you glory. That's what James has. The greatest motive is to bring in glory. There's however, you can get glory out of this. I want to pray that way. Because God's will and His intentions are always for our good, even if it doesn't seem like it. we have to define what good is, right? Because He says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. But again, we we have to redefine in our mind what is good. We get we sometimes in our in our. All pure motivation, we think we know what good is, but sometimes we don't. God always gives good things, and our job is to understand that ultimately everything is for my good and His glory. That's why He can work through every circumstance. Every single thing. Why is it good? even in hard things to do, because we get to When we understand this, by the way, we have to change the way we think, we have to change the way we're, we're motivated, we will begin to act the right way. In relationship, we begin to ask the right way. We ask for the right motive, for the will to be accomplished and for Him to get glory. Everything in my life can bring Him glory because He's seen and ultimately we get Him. He's enough. We give him the peace of I love Psalm 37 4, and we will quote these passages again. We've to be very careful. So we says, like, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And that does not mean that you manipulate God and say, Well, the desires of my heart are wrong motivated things. Of course, one million bucks. I'm delighting in you, where's my money? It doesn't mean that if we obey God, He will reward us with whatever we crave. What it means is that if we delight ourselves in God, in Him we find all we need. So the key here is that the heart of the seeker is changed. We're not trying to change God. we're, We're being changed. When we delight in Him, His desires become our desires. His will becomes our will, and, and we say, "Lord, whatever it takes, I will be aligned to your will for the glory of God." So my faith isn't based on Him answering prayers the way I think He should answer them. And so prayer isn't about getting what I want; it's about knowing God. And again, I, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray things, but it's how we do it. Ultimately, that he would be a glory. And so our, our prayer of faith is Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit, get glory out of my life, get glory out of every situation, get glory out of the circumstance. I ask for these things, and I ask for that, my ultimate desire is that you receive glory and receive his in good or in bad and again, if you read the book, um, The Insanity of God, remember, where he, he goes and he interviews these Christians across the world, it's stories, and, and, and this guy Nick Ripken went to all over the, the world and interviewed people that are being, that have endured persecution or currently enduring heavy persecution, because it's interesting that the kind of the name and claim it, believe it kind of thing, it doesn't equate in, in the persecuted church in foreign countries. In fact, he was talking to one of them, and he said, we're going to pray that, that, that God would rescue you guys from persecution. The guy said, please don't do this." And we would go, you know, yeah, What? Isn't that the great prayer? Isn't that the, the, the noble, holy prayer? of God rescue you, not persecution? He said, no, we're actually, in the midst of persecution, we're seeing more people come to know Jesus. That's why the Chinese, he, he was interviewing these Chinese house church leaders, and, and he said, they, 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 they look at prison like seminary. He, a, he said, I couldn't believe how non they were saying, so when were you in prison? It's kind of like, what seminary did you go to? So when, when did you serve your prison to? Because he said what, what the enemy means for evil, God is taking it and getting worried. So these guys are being tormented and tortured in prison. But what is happening is they go into prison for three or four years and they begin to minister to the people around them. And those people are going out and spreading the gospel. That's why the church in China is exploding. And they said, so don't pray that God rescues us from persecution. Pray that we would be faithful in the midst of so that more people come to know Jesus. Because we're seeing people come to know Jesus through the persecution. It's a different perspective, isn't it? All of a sudden, well, what's the will of God to life? Are... And so they don't see the persecution, they don't see the torture and torment as an action of God. They see God right in the middle of them. my God please help. lives to be lived bring glory to bring God and reveal His work and His ways through us. So our prayer to be a love Him, loved and all else path, and that and want what we want. And when we truly desire God when we are baptized, He a accomplished in the world and when, when we ask for what brings the Lord He's eager to give us what we ask for He just for perfect even if it doesn't Pan out the way we thought it would. I'm look at a couple more scriptures and then we'll close. So, when you pray, know that God knows what you need. You know, sometimes when we're praying again, sometimes it's these panicky, desperate prayers as if God doesn't know what's going on. Lord, I'd like to inform you of something, because like, oh, you have gotten a lot of problems. I was here with the body, because you were above that point. Jesus said, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, you know, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Sometimes it's that tormented prayer, I and mean, might look like faces, but do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He's on the job. He knows our needs before we even bring them to Him. He is aware of us, and that gives you great hope that even in the situation that, that might be desperate, God's all over us. The Holy Spirit is working. And we just say, Lord, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on, but you're working. Thank you that you know my need. Stick of the next one. So when you pray, be thankful that He sees you and knows you so you can be at peace because we give Him. And here's what Philippians told us, do not be anxious about anything. I always love that, and you've heard me say that before. That is, that is just an amazing passage for me because I don't even I don't even know if I even know how to do that. And again, Paul would write in these ways to kind of overwhelm us and purpose that where well, we would need Jesus so much. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. So he said, yes, yeah, pray. Bring your request to God, and with thanksgiving present your request. God with thanksgiving. And then the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard the hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So why, is it? why can't we do it in thanksgiving? Because then this ties together with this spiritual scripture that Jesus is on the job. We can say, Lord, use the need. Thank you that you're already aware. Thank you that you're on the job. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are working in the midst of everything. Just like Joseph will is in prison and he feels forgotten that, God, you are here. I don't get it, but you're here. And later on, you can say, I look back. I didn't see it at the time because it was hard, but God was working. God was moving. The Holy Spirit's power was there. I didn't see it. I didn't perceive it, but I walked in faith. And sometimes, guys, the miracle is that you're walking through it with your eyes on Jesus when there are no answers. Because he can, like the children of Israel, um, brother, the, just like each the children of you know, he can, he can get you through the fire. He can be with you in the fire, or you're going to walk through the fire and you you find out that he was there all along. And that's why, don't be anxious, because a lot of people pray anxiously. And to me, that again, that worst faith name claiming, what I've seen in a lot of those people, it turns into fear, anxiety, and stress because they're trying to figure out why the so formula isn't working. There are no formulas. If there was a formula, we wouldn't be in a relationship. Now we're at the end of this here. Ask, seek, and knock. And this is that passage where we will ask, we'll be given. We have and we will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone will ask to see the one that seek finds, and the one who knocks, and the one will be able to Right? Jesus, that sounds like a formula, right? If I do that, right, won't it happen? But it's interesting that Jesus would use this way of talking about prayer. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe you've never looked at it like this before, but you know, a lot of times prayer begins with asking. Right? We ask you questions, Lord, I need your help, and I don't understand what are you, what, what's happening here. We're asking him to intervene. Lord, please, talk, shield, provide. Minister, do something. My, my loved one has a need. My friend has a need. I have a need. I'm asking you. And, and he can ask. But he's leading us somewhere. Ask. Because after we ask for a while, and, and maybe it doesn't happen the way you think it's going to happen, then all of a sudden it takes turns, Right? It goes from asking to searching, and it's interesting that again that Jesus was saying that the ask you receive, speak. So if, if it's not happening the way we thought, we we begin to do be on a search. Lord, what what am I missing? What's the missing component here? David had those prayers. Lord, where are you at? I'm searching. I'm seeking. I'm trying to find. Speak, and you will find, Jesus says. So the asking comes into searching. The searching ultimately leads us to a goal. Up, sure know this. Not. You know when you go know to someone's house and you knock, you're expecting that someone, not something, someone is going to answer the door. And so if you're asking and seeking leads you to a door. Jesus, knock and He will be open door, because that's what? I'm right here. John 10. What does Jesus say about Himself? I am the door. Isn't that cool? Scripture with Scripture. Ask, yes, ask. Seek, yes, seek. It's going to search. It's going lead you to a door, and the door is going to be open. It's me, myself. You, I am what you're looking for. I'm the answer to your prayer. I'm the miracle you've been looking for. You thought you've been asking for this, but what you've been needing is me. I am the door. And I will open to you. And then you come in, I will have relationship with you. Jesus is in your house. You have to, to a stand at the door and knock. And, and He's knocking. He's the to forth, The door is open and we have fellowship with Him. And Jesus asks, seek and knock. He will come to the door and it will be opened by a person, the man Jesus. He is the miracle that we are looking for. It's not about what I can get from Him. It is about getting Him it's not about getting my third answer or the miracle that I thought I was looking for to key him. It's the work that he's already finished. The tomb is empty. Death has been defeated. If you didn't know as a Christian, that's a miracle. I think sometimes we hear the Easter story, the resurrection story. Those two events—I mean, if it's not for those, false of humanity need to be pitied. If there's not a resurrection from the dead, Jesus defeated death. He was dead for three days, and He took His life back up again to prove that I am the Savior of the world. Don't lose the the wonder of that. And then He loves me so much. At the beginning of John 14, going to hearts be troubled before He talks about prayer. I am going to prepare a place for you. That when you die, it's not the end. When you die from this earth, no matter how bad it gets, it's just temporary and you're going to see me face to face and I'm very face with you. You get me. And so then, He loves me and He's using my life for His glory, for the will of the Father, for the glory of the Father, and nothing just wasted. That's why his sovereignty brings me great grace and peace back in Christ's And yes, when we're animals, again, I'm not saying whatever we'll be, we'll be from of prayer. I'm saying, yes, we can ask specifically. We can, also, make your petitions known to God, but don't you know thanksgiving. Don't be anxious. Don't be trying to figure out the formula because what you're going to do is to ask and you're going to seek and you're going to find that door, and it's Jesus himself. And then it's whether I get healing, whether I get provision, whether I get that job, whether I get that husband or wife, whether I get that car, whether and whether I get, it, it doesn't because now I'm, I'm aligned with you and it's for your glory and I love you and I get you because He knows what we have need of. He's all over, and we are here to bring Him glory.